Thanks, Tom. Evening. I don't, my memory might be failing me, but I think this is, might be the first time Tom's let me loose with Revive. Um, so um, let's see what we can do tonight then. Um, but I do want to take a moment just to, just to big up Revive, really. Um, in part because it's really relevant to what I'm going to say tonight. Um, but more than that, um, you know, it's just so good to create space every week for the presence and the power of Jesus. You know, we do that in the morning. Um, of course, you know, wherever we gather and worship, you know, there is God in the midst of it. But Revive is a little different. It, it creates space. We're able to relax and breathe. You know, we're not worrying about finishing for the kids. We can just see what the Spirit is doing and go fully with it. And that's just such a lovely thing to be able to do. And um, so I just really want to big it up. And I, and I've might, I wanted to just share my prayer um, for this year for Revive. Um, I think Tom and everybody would echo that. First and foremost, I'm praying that more people would come. Because over the last few weeks and in the, in the end of last year, we just was encountering the presence of God. And we want more people to do that. We want more people to come and encounter the presence of God. So we're praying for more people to come. We're praying for an increase in the presence of God. You know, we just, we just love being in his presence, the tangible, powerful presence of God that brings transformation and helps us to deal with the stuff that we're dealing with. And we just want more of that. And, and then in that place of worship and the presence, we want to see more signs, wonders, and miracles. Um, you know, when I look back to the story of the vineyard, back when Wimber and others started it, it was birthed out of a desire for the presence of God and the power of God through signs, wonders, and miracles. And we want to see more of that. And Revive, I just believe, is going to be a place where we see that. And so that's what we're praying for, more of those three things. And I come expectant tonight, expectant that God is going to do some stuff in our lives. And, and so we're going to create some space for that later. And you know, we might even have a little bit of fun and just play around a bit and, and see what the Holy Spirit does among us. So anyway, I'm, um, I'm going to pray. There's a prayer that um, is one of the oldest prayers that's ever been prayed, and that's, Come Holy Spirit. So let's start there. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that we, we can gather but we don't just gather to hear um, somebody stand up and give a talk from the Bible or to listen to some people play their instruments and sing some songs. We come to encounter you. We want to encounter you, Holy Spirit, and we want you to point us to Jesus. And so we want to start now. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill this place with your presence. Take center stage. Come, Lord. Lord, I pray we would go changed. The stuff we come in with, the, the baggage we might have, the pain, we might go away with that lifted off us, Lord, with a better knowledge of where you're leading us. So come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Amen. 
So last week, Kerry did a fantastic job, thank you Kerry, who's hiding behind the computer screen at the back, um, of starting our series, um, Strength for the Weary. And, um, and in it, she mentioned that over the last 18 months, I've had some moments where leading the church, this church, has felt a little bit too much. Um, a couple of times, the worst being last April, I've said to Nicola, my, Nicola's my wife, my poor suffering wife, um, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I even applied for a teaching post, um, science teaching post back in April. Um, I withdrew my application a couple of days later. Um, but I was just at the end of myself. Being, I just felt overwhelmed. Um, and I've asked the question ever since then, you know, how, how did I get overwhelmed? You know, how do I recognize the signs of, of feeling overwhelmed? How can I make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to run the race that has been marked out for me and not quit? You know, a lot of um, what I would really encourage you to kind of do, and I'm not going to touch on it again tonight so much, um, is have a listen to my talk from last Sunday morning. I don't usually kind of recommend my own talks. It sounds slightly egotistical, but it was actually a good talk. And, um, and it was really important when we think about the kind of stuff I'm going to talk about tonight, about charging our batteries. Because the reality is my relational, emotional, and spiritual batteries were pretty drained in April. And that played a large part in me wanting to give up and walk away. So tonight, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at how we can understand the ways of God. We're going to think about how we can see the good in all things. How Seeing the good in all things, how do we do that? And then finally, we're going to learn to lean on Jesus. These are the three things we're going to look at. I've got a bit of a bugbear, hope you have too, about the prosperity gospel. Um, it has a lot to answer for. This health and wealth movement sets people up for failure or to live in a place of denial. I remember one of the first times I was taught how to pray for healing um, in the, a vineyard training event um, in the early days of us joining the vineyard. And the guy training kind of... Um, Halfway through his notes, he just kind of started doing this. And he, he kind of walked off the stage going, I'm healed, I'm healed. And his point was, not everybody gets healed every time we pray. And that we shouldn't kind of deny the difficulty and the hard and the unanswered prayers and all of that stuff. You know, we can't live in this kind of this unreality of sometimes the now and not yet of the kingdom. There is a lot of not yet, even though we see a lot of the now of the kingdom. You know, if our faith is built around an understanding that we will be healthy and wealthy, that life will be mountaintop after mountaintop after mountaintop experience, then we are living a parallel gospel to the one that's written in the Bible. It's just not what is written. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but life is not always awesome. In fact, life can be sometimes pretty. I'll let you fill in the gap. You know, 
you might have engaged with the Abundant Life series um, in the mornings, and it has been a great series. Um, and you might think, David, are you not contradicting yourself? You know, surely abundant life equals health and wealth. It, it's this kind of utopian view of, of living. Well, again, that's not what the scriptures tell us about abundance. Abundance does not mean easy. You see, if we're going to stand firm in the trials and the temptations of life, we need to understand the ways of God and how he leads us into the abundant and full life that he promises. James 1, starting at verse 2, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, There's a version called the Passion. Um, I would not recommend it as your main Bible, but occasionally, you know, it really helps us to get a feel for, say, more of the kind of versions like the NIV or the ESV that we tend to kind of base a lot of our talks on. But I'm going to read you this little section in the Passion. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That sounds like abundance to me. I like that. 1 Peter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That sounds pretty abundant to me. I like that. Carries on. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer a grief in all kinds of trials of greater worth than gold. Sorry, I've missed my place. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We see it, don't we? Abundance and trials, difficulties and growth and maturity of faith. They go hand in hand. I'm going through a bit of a season of garden and plant analogies. Um, so this is probably shoehorned in tonight just so I could keep it going. But uh, you know, um, I have got a number of raised beds that I've built in my garden. So they're half completed. Um, I need to get them filled with soil and all sorts of things and then plant them up in the new year. Um, I'm excited to grow loads of veg and salad and fruit and um, I want a good harvest. I want a good harvest and I need to do a few things for that to happen. So I need to prepare the soil. (laughs) Even put soil in them would be helpful. Um, They won't grow if there's not decent soil. Um, I need to plant them where they can experience the sun. I need to pull up any weeds. I need to protect them from the birds and the pests and the disease and all that stuff. But I also need to train them. 
Sometimes that can look harsh. My raspberry plants got absolutely cut back at the end of the summer. I don't know whether I did it at the right time, but that's when they got absolutely cut back. It looked pretty harsh. How is that going to bring a harvest? But it will. It will. For healthy growth and an abundance of harvest, preparation, hard work, training is required. It is not an easy process, and neither is our life. Receiving full and abundant life requires difficulty, challenge, even trials of many kinds. You know, I wonder sometimes if people fall away from faith, you know, in part because they've been taught faith equates to easy, to abundance without the refining fire. You know, if we're going to stand firm in the trials, you know, when we feel weary and burdened or even overwhelmed by life, and by the way, if you come to Life Vineyard and you feel that way, you're so welcome. You know, we want to love you and support you and encourage you because we all feel that way sometimes. And we need to be honest about it. But when we do feel that way, we need to understand the ways of God that the pathway to full and abundant life is not always easy and is full of trials and difficulties. No, abundance is often found in the midst of trials. That's what we read in the New Testament. So firstly, we need to understand the ways of God. Secondly, we need to see the good in all things. One of the things that I, my head has gone to over the last little time is thinking about the life of Jesus. It's probably a good thing for a pastor to think about the life of Jesus, but I have, and, and, and in lots of different ways. You know, you kind of start thinking about different kind of nuances of his life. And it dawned on me that um, we sometimes can see the events of Jesus' life as devoid of choice. You know, that somehow Jesus kind of just did what he had to do and it never even dawned on him to do anything less than that. But then we read Matthew 26, starting at 38. And it says this. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch over me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, my father... If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You know, this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane is a profound and moving moment in Jesus' life. You know, faced with the full reality of what he was about to live through and then die through, it was utterly overwhelming. Now, you can feel the fight inside of Jesus, the battle to choose the way of his father, but yet sheer bur- the sheer burden and weight of it all. He had a choice. You know, thankfully for all of us, he chose to do the will of the father. You see, for this plan to work, Jesus had to become human. He never lost his divinity. He was always God, but in this moment, he was human. He was living out of his humanity. He became a man. And he lived with the fragility of humanity. His perfect life was not programmed 
like a robot. Every step, every day, he had to battle with choice, with the reality of his life, of what he was about to face. And he chose to do the will of God. Daily choices. You know, I think it's really important that we recognize that that's the life of Jesus. See, Gethsemane revealed the heart of Jesus, the way of perfection, but also the struggles, the temptations, and the trials. The writer of the Hebrews captures this truth. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's Jesus. That's our king. He knows exactly what we're going through. Jesus' life was a battle full of challenges, trials, and temptations, and the most horrendous of circumstances. At any point, he could have chosen a different path. What if he had? Well, firstly, there would have been no way for us to be forgiven and receive eternal life, because, you know, Spoiler, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Um, And secondly, Jesus would have not realized his destiny to be king over everything. Hebrews 10 says this, verse 12. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That was his destiny. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Well, that's a good thing. In the midst of the horrible, it became a really, really good thing for humanity. The promise of God is that he works out good in all things for those that love him. You know, we th- how can there possibly be anything good in crucifixion? And of course there's not. It's just evil. Particularly when there's somebody who's utterly um, kind of unjust. He's done nothing wrong. Yet the Father allowed it. Why? Well, because he saw the good even in the horrendous. The Father could see the power of Jesus' death on the cross. And the power of his resurrection that the war that was raging would be won once and for all on the cross. God, the Father could see it all. See, the Father allowed the suffering and the trials and the difficulties and Jesus to carry the burden to have to drink from that cup because the Father had a unique perspective in all of space and time. He could see how the story ends. You can see how the story ends in our life too. You know, when I sat at my computer filling in that application form, it was quite a good application. (laughs) Nick was actually worried I might actually get the job. Um, And um, I'm writing that covering letter. I was finding it hard to see the good in the trials and the challenges, the sadness and even the pain. You know, where was God? 
almost could hear myself, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Yet now, as I look back, I am beginning to see the good that is coming from that season, that wilderness moment. Life in your God is true to his word, his promises. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You know, when we are weary, when we are burdened, when we are overwhelmed and tempted to give up, are beyond ourselves, we have to keep going. When our walk becomes a crawl, as Jeff so powerfully wrote in Still I Will Praise Him, we need to remember that we are never, ever alone. We have a saviour and a king that has lived through the trials and temptations of life and has already overcome. And so that leads me to my last point. We need to learn to lean fully on Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean on me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John seven thirty seven to 38. On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever has believed in me, as scriptures said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If I'm going to be completely honest with myself and you and everybody who wants to watch online, um, what I wanted is the trials and challenges to stop. That's all right. Bless you. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted the easy road. You know, I wanted this cup to be taken from me. I didn't want the refiner's fire. I didn't want even the growth that came from that. I wanted an easy path. I wanted to opt out rather than press in. Psalm 42.11 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, do you, why so disturbed within me? I can relate to that. I don't know whether any of you can relate to that. But what I needed was rest for my soul. What I needed was to come to the river. I think we're going to sing that song. Where the streams of living water flow. You see, God was using the circumstances, the trials to shape me, mature me, help me find more of the abundant and full life he promises. What I needed, what we all need, is more of Jesus. The psalmist continues, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, the flesh and the devil would have us opt out. And the psalmist and Jesus show us that the way through the trials and the challenges and the pain is to press in, to choose to place yourself in the river. You know, over the years, we have seen people spin out of church and, and spin out of faith completely. People have taken themselves out of community and opt out of stepping into the river 
that Jesus offers, where there's life and power. You know, when I look back to April, the truth is I was probably a moment away. I was a choice away from doing the same. But thanks be to Jesus and my church family, I crawled a bit further. <laughs> Literally did, just crawl a bit further. And then what happened was, I was able to walk. And do you know where I am now? I'm thinking about running again. And that's what we need to be. When we press in to Jesus, when we're honest with how we feel, when we don't hide away the stuff that we're going through, when we let our family, our church family, gather around us, we are able to crawl, and then we are able to walk, and then we are able to run. You know, I found rest for my soul. I have placed myself in the river, and actually this year I'm choosing to try and go a little bit deeper into the refreshing streams of living water. You know, thankfully, I had a biblical understanding of the ways God works. That the journey to abundant and full life is not always easy. That it's a mix of the desert and the oasis. It's a mix of mountaintops and dark valleys. That's life. Thankfully, that even though I struggled to see it, I did believe that God was working for the good of all, in all things. He was working good in my life, even though it felt like wilderness and dark valleys. And so with all of the strength I could muster, and this is my encouragement to you, you might be running, you might be swimming in the depths of the presence of Jesus, or you might be like I was back in April, crawling on my hands and knees, just trying to keep going. But with all of the strength I could muster, I moved myself to the river. I found rest for my soul. I don't know all of your story. I don't know what you're thinking, what you're going through, the challenges you face, whether you are on a mountaintop or a dark valley, in the desert or in an oasis. I don't know whether there's a depth of despair in your heart. What I do know is that the place to find strength is in the arms of Jesus. It is where, there that we find rest for our souls and life-giving streams of living water. So I'm going to finish with that encouragement of the psalmist. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And that is what we're going to do. We're going to praise Jesus. So guys, you want to come and join us? And we're going to spend a little bit of time praying and seeking the Lord. And then we're going to have some time to worship. And then we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Come, Lord. I really want to encourage you to um, just settle your heart. Sometimes we feel we have to put on a mask when we come to church. But the vineyard, we can take it off. I'm the senior pastor. Nicola and I planted this church, and I've just stood up here and told you 
that last April I was a choice away from walking away from it all. I hope that's given you permission to come as you are with all of the stuff that you're going through. Not feel you need to be anything or do anything or pretend to have it all together. It's not what we have to do. We come with our honesty and with our humility before the Lord. So that's what I want to encourage you to do in this moment is come to the Lord humbly and honestly with all of the stuff that's going on internally, all those secret thoughts that almost you might even be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. Just bring them to the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to worship, but we are going to intersperse it with some time of prophecy and prayer and healing. Should we stand and worship?